Welcome to the Joy Podcast. I'm Debbie Toole, the Chief Joy Officer at Symphony Talent, a global recruitment marketing technology company that is leading this industry-wide movement called the Joy Pipeline. You might be asking yourself, what is Joy? At Symphony Talent, we believe that joy is happiness that comes from success. And on each episode of the Joy Pipeline, you get to hear from forward-thinking leaders to provide you with recruitment marketing strategies and tools that build your own roadmap to joy. We'll guide you on your journey of yes, a journey to achieve both personal and business success. And this week, I am thrilled to be joined by Brandy, our head of transformation here at Symphony Talent. Brandy, welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to finally be here. I am as well. We have been talking about this for, gosh, almost a year. I think since the idea of this podcast came into fruition, we were like, okay, we've got to have Brandy on. Brandy works with some of our largest and most innovative customers. You get hands-on experience um, in in their recruitment marketing strategies and building out their roadmaps to success. I mean, that is the epitome of, of the Joy Pipeline. And so we get to hear it today. And actually, you and I um, just recorded for the Candies um, or the Talent Boards Candidate Experience 2022 okay. Awards. 2021, 2022, where are we? Where are we at? Gosh, this is like 2021 awards (laughs) Uh, where we shared some stories around CBS and Hilton Grand Vacations and their agility um, of their technology to be able to shift to all of the craziness that is happening right now. Um, and the fact that business is changing and recruiting needs to change with it. And and you really get a hands-on experience to that. So tell our listeners um, a little bit about yourself, Brandy, your background and the work that you do here at Symphony. I, I do get to see all of the really cool things that our customers are doing and um you know, when we say joy at work, I mean, I love my job. <laughs> I get to have a lot of fun. So I, originally I came in with Smashfly as part of the Symphony Talent acquisition. But prior to that, I was a recruiting practitioner for, we'll call it 19-ish years. And um, I grew up as a sales recruiter and I loved understanding the psychology that went with my message and, you know, that that mental chess game of when you're trying to attract that that superstar talent and when as a recruiter, you got them into the process. And then if you were able to close them, I mean, that that's just a feather in your cap. And I have taken that love of doing that. And, you know, over my career, I've, I've transitioned into recruitment marketing and employer brand work. And it's just more of the same, but at a level that's everybody and not just the one candidate. Uh, and so with Smashfly, I, I had the opportunity to build a recruitment marketing services function where we engaged essentially as an extension of our customers' recruitment marketing teams. You know, we, we taught them how to activate recruitment marketing inside of the CRM and to capture the talent they were looking to capture and then to leverage the system in order to engage that talent you know, keep them warm, talk to them, be human to the humans. If you've heard me on a a speaking engagement, you've heard me say that before. Um, (laughs) You know, it's breaking down all of the misunderstanding of what recruitment marketing actually is 
and how to do that in conjunction with everything else. So I've I've had the pleasure of working with a lot of our biggest customers. And today um, I've moved over into our product function and I am uh, head of ter- transformation initiatives. And that's essentially helping our product and engineering and customers be more successful. You know, how do we look at this from the lens of our practitioners, our users, and to drive adoption, to drive use of the technology across everything that we do? And so I, that is where the, the IBM story came in, the CBS stories. You know, I, I get to have fun at my job. You do. And I, um, you know, in sales, we talk a lot about it's really important to have carried a bag. Um, I think that's from traveling salesmen years ago. But anyways, you have carried the bag in recruitment marketing. You've done the work. You understand both aspects of it. But I think coming from that practitioner side gives you a wealth of knowledge and then being able to apply it on the vendor side is such a value add to our customers that they get to learn from you and work with you. And, you know, you're, you get to make them better or help make them better in working with them. And I think it ends up being kind of this symbiotic relationship. That's a lot of fun to watch. Absolutely. Yes. There's, there's not been a customer engagement where I haven't learned something new, whether it's working with one of our customers and I, they are in the waste management business. Did you know that you cannot recycle wrapping paper that has glitter on it? Unfortunately, I have learned this and it makes me completely rethink the way that I am wrapping packages. Same, (laughs) same. I love a good glitter wrapping paper and yet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's fun thing like, like that. I learned about our customers' businesses, but also how they have to go to market in order to attract all of these different types of talent. And then, you know, I get to take that back and share it with other customers and, and here we are. You know, every year our marketing team goes out and talks to analysts and practitioners and asks them for like, what are the big ideas for the next year? And we put together this idea book that we put out into the market and into the world where we talk about innovative things that people are doing or aren't doing or should Mm -hmm. be doing or that we think is going to be the next big thing. And, um, you know, when we were in Detroit, we filmed some of these live and I, I talked about one of the things that I have seen from our customers that pushes the envelope is, is, you know, I'm probably one of the best use cases that I've seen of it was Intel, where they really flipped this idea of leading with personas and not the job. Let's figure out what our top personas are. Then let's build a marketing strategy around attracting those personas, a communication strategy around converting those personas. And then we'll worry about which job is the right fit, right? The candidate shouldn't have to worry about that. Um, And, you know, you and I were sitting down and we were talking about some of the other examples and people who are taking it a step further. And I am so excited to dig into what IBM and some of our other customers are doing, where they're starting to use trait-based personas versus skill-based, which I think takes it to a whole nother level, right? It's not just what is the personas, but what are the traits? Share with me a little bit about what you're seeing happening in the market and why it's a benefit to recruiting. 
So the the concept of of trait based versus skills based, you know, using personas versus not, these have been debates in recruiting since I've been in recruiting anyway. You know, the are personas helpful? Should we use them or not? So it, I love this topic because it, a lot of people are very polarized already and it's a great discussion to have. So if you're listening and you want to have a discussion, please call me. Debbie and I are always up for, <laughs> for discussions on on industry things, especially like this. Um, but I had the opportunity to do a webinar with Ellie Davison from IBM, and she's leading their college recruitment program programs. And she shared that they are now implementing and building out a library of trait-based personas instead of you need to have this degree and the skill and these four things and you can have the job. And so they're, it's both for early career hiring and for college hiring. And what they're seeing is, is an absolute shift in whom they can recruit because if you think about it, I may have those four things that you need to do the job. But a company the size of IBM, that team, that department, that company isn't going to shift the way that they culturally do things. The structure of, you know, the at IBM, I'm sure there are 12 levels of management right. that you may have to go through to get to certain things. It's just the nature and the size of their business. It's not, you know, good, bad or otherwise. So if I naturally don't have the type of personality that functions well in that type of corporate environment, I can have all the skills in the world, but you're going to continue filling my job again and again. So that's what I love to see. You know, Intel did this. IBM is beginning to do this. And I really think it's going to catch on across all of their experience hire functions as well. Um, we've seen customers do it. You know, Southern California Edison is another that they're, they're an energy company. They don't usually get included in the, we're breaking the mold and doing something different category. You know, they're, they're with the IBMs and the Intels of we're going to stay a bit more conservative in the way we do things and let the rest of the market try it first. But these very conservative, traditionally conservative companies are taking this lens to look at talent very differently and look at who has the propensity and who has the past experience in showing these types of traits. And it's changing the game in both the recruitment process, but also retention for them. If you think about it, a lot of the recs that talent acquisition teams end up filling are attrition and backfills. You know, everybody today is talking about the, the what, what, what's the term? The, not the great rehire. Oh, the great recession. The great uh, resignation. Resignation. Yes. There we go. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> the great so, resignation. Did we that it's the Monday after Halloween yes. that we're recording this? This is going to drop in a week. So uh, the rest of you do not have to suffer with through this with us. But Brandy <laughs> and I both have tricking, treating little kids that we were out with last night and lots of candy and then getting them out the door this morning. So it, it's been a long day already. <laughs> it has. It has. So we appreciate uh, every once in a while when we mix up our words, uh, just letting it flow. But yes, the, you know, the great resignation that's happening. I can't tell you the number of talent articles I've seen from thought leaders and people in the industry wanting to talk about the great resignation. But the more important piece are the employees that we still have. Yes. 
and making sure that when you hire someone, they're not a detriment to the environment. They don't make the rest of that team, that function, they don't make it harder. And that's where employee employers are starting to shift this lens. And it's becoming really interesting. No, you're absolutely right. And it's, you know, as you're as you're sharing kind of this journey that IBM's going on and that you've seen others go through, it really makes you look at it with a different lens. Like, absolutely, you know, I am in the Boston market. There is a huge tech startup scene here. And somebody who really thrives in that startup world where it's really entrepreneurial and you have ownership over everything and you have direct access to the CEO is very different than, you know, a Takeda where you may never meet the CEO, um, much less have a direct line of communication with them. And you need to, you know, work within a different environment and bigger teams. And, And when you think about the fact that you could have the same skills, the same pedigree and degree and all of that, but you're not going to work well in both of those scenarios. Or if you do, then you're a chameleon and you are, you know, that purple squirrel that everybody's looking for. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, you've really got to think about who are we culturally as an organization. And we talk about that all the time when we talk about employment brands, but I think this gets it down to the, to the actual role level of um, like, let's think about who who you need to be to be successful within our organization. And then who do you need to be to be successful within the role? Um, And that will in turn impact that retention rate um, and, and get us to a better place organizationally that I think everybody's trying to go to, but that's not easy. Right. So (laughs) I've got to imagine that, you know, some of the examples that you've shared with us are working with other departments outside of talent acquisition um, or maybe working with third parties to identify those um, those traits. Yeah, it's a it's no easy undertaking for sure. You know, in in the session that we did for the candies, uh, we had the do it today, do it this month, do it this year. This is certainly something that you're going to want to commit either dollars or time or both to in order to do correctly. Because to build this sort of trait-based persona, you're not just looking at attraction drivers, you're looking at retention drivers, you're looking at candidate surveys, you're looking at um, persona traits. You know, if you typically hire within X age bracket, it's not likely that someone 15 years younger would be coming in to do that role. And so there's a little bit of extrapolation to use consumer data as well. So consumption habits, media consumption habits, you know, does this type of worker prefer imagery? Do they prefer concise language? Do they prefer details? You know, there's there's a lot that should go into a trait-based persona so that that way you truly understand who's going to be successful? What are the people around them doing? What does our company say and do and feel that makes them feel rewarded? Because, you know, the, a company like IBM or a company like Takeda or even Symphony Talent, we can't tomorrow just go change our benefits offerings. You know, it's, we can, <laughs> but it's not very easy to do. So, while the company is making the, the massive improvements that are on everybody's wish list, 
what do you do in the meantime? And it's things like this that you find out why people are rewarded in doing the work that they're doing. You know, my um, prior team in the RM services function, we used to help build these. And one of the things that we did was had the customer send out a survey with a certain list of questions that we created to anyone that would work with the function that we were trying to define. So anyone that they would email, anyone that they would ask questions of, and it would be, what do you find rewarding? What do you find hard? You know, what what gets you up in the morning? What makes you not want to come in tomorrow? And then we would take all of that raw data and distill it down into a couple of core insights that then could be applied to everything. So when we say applied to everything, Mm. let's talk about some tangible things that it can be applied to. Um, I'm hearing a lot of language from you that just immediately makes me think of communication, um, the type of language that we're using, the type of images that we're using, the means of communication. Yes. Um, is this a email person or a text person type of thing, right? Like how are we communicating? What's the frequency with what we communicate? Give our listeners some actual tangible insights of like, what are we talking about here? What, what is the end goal? Um, and, and then the, the channels to get there. Good, good clarification. You're right. I knew as soon as I said uh, you can apply to everything, I was hoping you were going to call me out on that. <laughs> it can, but let's just give them like one or two of things that it can. So most importantly, our job description, you know, again, focusing on the, what do you need to have to do the required work? What does it taste like, feel like, sound like? What have you done in the past that equates to this type of work? Um, translating that then into behavioral interviewing questions. This is, again, such a critical piece is when you're asking a behavioral interview question, if the person starts with, well, I would do, then it's not truly a behavioral interview question because behavioral interview focuses on what they have done that is similar or related to what you're talking about. So little pieces like that. And then once you have your attraction strategy up and rolling, recruiter talking points are incredibly powerful. You know, making sure that the recruiters working on these areas have this persona and they know it inside and out. You know, the the ones we used to build have uh, things like hot buttons called out. You know, the the way to get immediately to this persona is to talk about these three things the types of problems that they're working on, um, you know, the complexity of the problems that they're working on. This sounds very simple, but I would insert a couple of very detailed or technical examples and empower your recruiters to have those conversations. And then, yes, in the media, you know, if we're backing up the funnel here, in the media that you use, the, the imagery that you select, the number of words in your emails or text, it's going to be different for different audiences. So if you're trying to optimize your conversion rates, when you're reaching out to already hard to find talent or hard to acquire talent, you want to do literally everything that you can to make your messages the most likely that they're going to read and react and engage. And you do that by understanding what makes them tick as best you can. I love it. That is, um, 
I think something that is oftentimes um, over, not I, overlooked, I think is the word I'm looking for, right? So they, we oftentimes in recruiting are a bit reactive. We're reacting to what our hiring managers are bringing to us. We're reacting to turnover. We're reacting to business growth. Um, and, and we don't put the time into that. And I think that's where we when we really start to look at, okay, what are the skills that we have within the organization? Where are our growth areas? What skills are we going to need in the future? Um, that's where we can really start to change and think through. And so it's not reacting to the job, the job that's fine. We can have varying levels of, you know, attrition because we've thought through once that attrition does happen, We've already thought through what the attraction strategy is. We know what makes people tick um, and we're ahead of it. And so now we're not reacting, we're actually defining. And I think we talk about that a lot in the um, the candy presentation where we talk about the fact that CVS um, doesn't react. They're actually the ones that are leading um, that change. Mm -hmm. They very much are. And, you know, the any talent acquisition practitioner listening to this is going to go, yeah, um, I would love to get in front of, <laughs> I know <laughs> those are certainly words that came out of my mouth, but you know, finding the time to do this, which is why having a partner that you can lean on and you can trust to do this level of research for you or hiring a consultant or, you know, making some room for your recruitment marketing team to be able to have access to these research tools and do this work. Start small. You know, that's my biggest piece. Don't try and cover all of your job descriptions, categories, all of that at once. You know, if you start with the most critical, if you look at your business growth plan and you know that either turnover and demand for talent are meeting at an apex in a certain job category or function, start there. And then and just also work helps out. you build the business case yes. for continuing to do that work. Because yes. then you can take that back to your organizational leaders and say, this was our pain point. This is how we solve for it. This is the end result. Give us the resources, whatever that resource ask looks like to do this at a larger scale. Yeah. And just keep doing it one at a time. And eventually you have a library of personas that you can use and develop. The most important thing next though, is to maintain those. You know, our, our company cultures, most of them don't shift overnight, but they do evolve. And the cultures within teams and departments evolve. And the, the thing I've seen the most with our customers while doing these is being very real about who we are as a company, as a team, as a working group together, you know, it may be that most of the group is very direct and can sometimes come off as not nice. That's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. What it is, though, is that you need a specific type of person that communicates in a certain type of way in order to be in and be successful. So instead of looking at our cultures as flaws or looking at them as negatives, you know, take those things and just take them as facts. And the sooner we own them as facts that you can then turn into actionable tactics, the faster you're going to get to the talent that is going to stay. Absolutely. Brandy, this has been such great dialogue and such great advice um, for everyone that's listening today. 
hopefully they are taking away little nuggets that they can implement into their business. Um, before we kind of wrap it up, we've, we always end with two things. The first is a takeaway that people can that are listening can say, okay, I can do this today. So what would be your advice for those that are listening? I know you said start small, start with one. What would be that one takeaway of advice that you would give? Start. Just start. Yeah, that's, it seems absolutely scary. But if you Google how to build a persona, whether you're looking at, you know, any software or UX process, it, literally anything, there are personas for everything. Google how to build a persona and just get started. You know, pick one. And as you're doing the research, look at attraction drivers, retention drivers, candidate surveys, anything you can find about the types of humans in that role and build it over time. And you'll be surprised how quickly you have something to work with. And this is a great time to get started, right? We're, we're nearing year end, the fresh start to a new year. I feel like this is the time when we're all starting to like pencil down in our journals, what we're going to accomplish and, and making business plans and asking for budgets. Um, so it's a great time to get started. Anytime is a great time to get started, but I feel like right now it's really relevant. We have to be able to be more agile in our recruiting and think differently to recruit and retain. And these are great ways to do it. So thank you. The second um, is we always love to kind of end on a lighthearted, funny note, um, or maybe it doesn't have to be funny, but um, we end with a, a um, recruiter confession, a candidate confession, Ooh. something funny. We either on your recruiting days of like something you're like, I cannot believe this happened, but it happened or on on the being recruited. Oh, gosh. Got to really dig into the memory box for this. I one. do. Yeah. Um, let's see. I probably whilst doing and uh, Carrie at CVS knows this intimately well, probably while delivering some of the recruitment marketing services, um, when we very first started working with CVS, their, their talent network was, you know, only a million contacts. And I had such trepidation on just sending that first email, just hitting go. And I, I, I mean, I literally worked myself into a ball of nerves just to hit go on that very first email that went out to about a million people. And once I hit send, Carrie calls me and says, there's a typo in the subject line. <laughs> 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 oh, yes. Uh, so luckily, she was very nice about that. And we were able to recover. And, you know, this weekend I sent uh, almost 10 million emails on their behalf for their uh, monthly newsletter. So we were able to recover, but that that stands out for sure as a memorable moment. <laughs> hey, you always learn from mistakes. So I am sure <laughs> it's one that won't be repeated. <laughs> Ooh, I, I spell check my subject lines and have somebody else check me multiple times now before hitting send, especially now to, to 10 million. Amazing. Well, Brandy, um, this has been a long time coming. It is always such a joy to chat with you. And now I'm glad that we were able to bring our behind the scenes chat to the forefront for our listeners. Um, this will not be the last time. So thank you everyone who has joined us today. If you want to continue on this journey of yes with us, visit us at thejoypipeline.com. Follow the joy podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. And until next time, thanks and have a great day.